This is the Authority Partners Podcast. Welcome to our Authority Partners Podcast on Arctic Intelligence Software. I would like to present you our guest, Dino Esposito. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, so I would now like to move uh, to Angular and uh, and uh, JavaScript frameworks in general, you know. So what is your take on, on, on that? And uh, if you compare it with uh, uh, so some other frameworks seems to be moving and growing like uh, faster than Angular right now, like Vue or React. I think React uh, already surpassed uh, Angular in the user base. So what do you think uh, in general about uh, the Angular? Because uh, right now we are at this point where everybody seems to be doing Angular. It seems to be like a, a central point or central framework for doing web development. Okay, Angular is, uh, like REST, uh, one of those buzzwords that for reasons uh, even hard for me to explain in detail never conquered my heart. Um, when you, when I, I think of Angular, I, I, in my mind, it, my mind triggers a connection with uh, smile at that test-driven development. So, I mean, they, they couldn't be, you know, probably farther from each other uh, if you take th- those two technologies as uh, uh, standalone technologies. But in my mind, the connection is made by uh, the experience I had uh, over a decade ago, which I was a very large company of the time, now disappeared, um, uh, called me to, uh, to make a presentation uh, to management because uh, in the, within this company, they, the, the top manager, the CTO, decided to push TDD throughout uh, the entire uh, development uh, uh, of the over you know, thousands uh, of developers they had. So they wanted to, to bring to the top management, the top technical management, uh, the tech leaders uh, of, of the entire company, they wanted to, have the, to bring the, the, the world of renowned industry experts uh, trying to justify the, the use of TDD. And uh, now... I've never been a huge fan of TDD. And, and okay, and I take the responsibility for this, but it's just me. But anyway, I do recognize that in a large enterprise scenario, you need to give rules to everyone writing code. And uh, TDD, so write the test before you write any single piece of code or try to do that on a regular basis to teach yourself, change your, your mindset so that you first think of any code that can break what code you are going to write. That is probably, it's not, maybe, maybe not perfect, but it's probably the, the, the best or, 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 or the least problematic uh, approach in a large enterprise scenario to force uh, the, the, the writing. It's a matter of, of discipline, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Angular, same thing. It's not perfect, but probably in a large enterprise scenario is uh, one of the best thing uh, you can do. Why? Because it forces you to some extent to play by the rules, by the strict rules that a company and a community of people, uh, and again, Google is, uh, is, is in, this, in this group, as a relevant presence in this group, um, decided that uh, are, you know, the, the, the way to go. Um, this said... What is uh, that Angular is really doing? Building, in some way, the HTML that the browser has to render. That's all it does. So any Angular application, but the same is said, can be said for React, for any sort of framework, uh, it's all about taking data 
from some remote endpoint and use that with some local template layout information and produce a string of text that the browser can render nicely uh, and in a colorful way to users. That's it. That's all it does. It's about you know, doing string concatenation. <laughs> I'm, as you said, I'm destroying Angular. I'm yeah. reducing Angular to string concatenation, but that's exactly all it does at the very, very end of the day. So now, which other ways we have to concatenate strings to produce HTML? And then again, the history of Angular says that because in the beginning, Angular was Angular JS. And AngularJS was essentially a data client-side data binding library, like Knockout.js, for example, and, and like other, like Backbones, whatever. So those libraries, uh, at some point, started growing bigger and bigger because people realized, developers uh, realized that, okay, I have here, this is this very nice client-side data binding. I, if I have endpoints that provide me JSON or XML data, and... Uh, with this uh, client-side data binding, I can arrange everything so my application can, in a way, run entirely on the client, can become a single-page application. And, oh, yes, single-page application. And w w what about routing? Uh, what about authentication? What about this? What about that? So a number of uh, ancillary topics beyond the core of client-side data binding appeared and uh, <laughs> The community had to find solutions. So AngularJS was totally rewritten at some point, and, and, and they changed everything. They switched from JavaScript to TypeScript. But in my, yeah, but in and, my opinion, and they built an, an ecosystem. Yes. And they defied, coined a new language, a new, and required a new mindset for developers, which is exactly the thing that now many people find problematic, and they're looking for something slightly simpler, like React, or even simpler, like Vue.js. Yeah, two questions about that. First one is, uh, or more a statement. Uh, first one is that uh, I think that they actually give a framework around something that people were already crafting by hand in jQuery in the very beginning. So kind of they built a framework around it and then improved it later on. But uh, the, the thing that, I'm, uh, that I have experienced is that, you know, uh, from the purely technical point or engineering point, I would say, I mean, in the end, we have to provide a value to a customer. That, that, that's the whole point of all this exercise. Um, if you really get good in Angular and there's a, uh, there's a really a steep learning curve, you really need to invest a lot of time to learn Angular. You have no idea about, I don't know, React or something else. If, if you would to change a company, for instance, and then you get it to a company that is doing uh, React solely, you are a beginner again. So there is no any correlation between Vue, React, Angular, and other uh, frameworks. This uh, this kind of sucks, in my opinion. Absolutely, and yeah, absolutely. My, my, my everyday experience uh, is with a team that develops uh, any any sort of user interface using Angular, uh, and the Angular top guys are uh, you know. A restricted group of people. They talk only to each other. They go to lunch together. They live the, they, they loan their own life. Uh, they are like uh, a, a separate Angular from, gang, yeah. Yeah, the, it's a gang, exactly. <laughs> so they, they, 
they, they live on their own they, uh, they, are, they live in a sort of a cave and they, they understand each other they do not communicate with us ordinary well, yeah, people they, they communicate with API <laughs> but they don't communicate naturally as human beings um, yes exactly and be, because they are forced by the rule of the framework itself to reason in a strict way um, on the other hand Um, I have uh, some other experience with uh, 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 a completely different uh, scenario, which it's not an enterprise development, so it's a very small number of developers, but extremely smart. And uh, we, we, we still do jQuery and with a little bit of Vue.js, okay? And, th- and that's all we do. And we manage, I mean, they're an entire industry, okay, that runs uh, specifically professional sports, one, one particular sport that the entire backend The entire back office runs on those applications whose UI is is extremely interactive and it's essentially built using jQuery and a little bit of Vue.js here and there. So it's possible. But to be possible, it means that you, that every individual developer, must be able to craft elegantly, effectively, every single little piece of JS and decide where to put it, where to abstract it. So it, it, it's very carved. You know, it, it's, a, it, it's a delicate kind of work, but nothing that is really absurdly complex and sophisticated. You, know, you must be very careful about what you do, but it's something you can teach easily to any junior developer. And uh, to make your point, uh, when you leave such a company with this background, uh, you can easily grab Angular, you can easily grab React, you can easily keep on using uh, lower level frameworks, uh, JS frameworks like the same jQuery or maybe Vue.js or any, anything else that may appear uh, in the future, even though I hope that JavaScript will die some, some, sometime soon, possibly. Uh, but anyway, yes, it's, uh, your point is good. If you're, if you're an Angular d- developer, you, you're only that. And the, mo- the moment you move to another company that doesn't require, doesn't value Angular as a skill, you're a beginner again. Yes, it, it's absolutely true. Uh, That's so, kind of down putting, yeah. yeah. But okay, uh, so so this kind of naturally leads us to uh, to the topic of Blazor. Blazor seems to be uh, something that uh, uh, a lot of us uh, really hope uh, to to kind of unify the the building of the software without using JavaScript. That uh, I mean, like a web development, uh, like without using JavaScript at all, so that we can use the languages that we are that are uh, strongly typed, uh, fully developed language that we are really proficient in and then we can produce uh, a code that can be compiled right now and uh, 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 utilized by WebAssembly and then again right now at this moment uh, in the JavaScript engine but uh, uh, in the future it's, it's not going to be like that. Browsers will uh, should natively support it in the future standards. So what do you think uh, Blazor uh, is? I mean, the, does it really have that significance and, and that way so that it can really uh, turn the industry down and that it can provide us like a seamless uh, platform to uh, to craft the uh, web applications in the future um, okay let me let me start with uh, with a couple of um, of, of anecdotes so one is uh, uh, when I I think I was one of the first guys uh, to write something about blazer maybe two years ago on MSDN magazine and um, And you know, you know. I don't know if if you are familiar with how things used to go, used to work for uh, for for authors on MSDN magazine. You were totally free. To, I mean, at least that was my case to choose the topic, um, and then to write the article. 
And then the article was uh, reviewed by Microsoft experts. Most of the time, uh, people pick it up for the task where people, program managers or people anyway, developers, lead developers on the specific technology that you were writing about. So uh, I had a couple of guys uh, from the, um, the Blazor team to review my first couple of articles. And uh, in the first one in particular, I was making, uh, maybe in the conclusions or in the beginning at some, at some point, uh, I was making the, the, the bold statement that this is a silver light done properly. And they politely asked me to drop the sentence, <laughs> uh, not because that was false, it was a false statement, but because they felt, you know, the, the use of the term silver light, which has uh, some sort of a, a negative connotation, negative reputation in the industry could damage uh, this new uh, emerging uh, technology. But uh, off records... So they are very careful about it and uh, how they want to promote it and they are, they are sticking by it, right? Yeah, and they, they say, okay, off records, uh, yes, you, you, can, you can look at Blazor has a, a new completely different from a technological point of view implementation of the same idea that brought us a decade ago to produce a silver light. Now, this is the first one. The, the second thing, the second statement, that, which I, I never put down in, in an article, but I mentioned uh, on records and off records in, in, in a few conferences uh, in more recent times, was that Blazor is a potential, the potential killer of Angular. Uh, and again, this is, uh, uh, again, off record, so this is not an official statement, but uh, yes, but it's, it, it, it's exactly the, the, the right way of looking at that. It simply means that Blazor has the potential to kill Angular. Not sure. No, nobody can, can really say this will happen and when this is going to happen, but there is the potential to kill, to dismount entirely the, um, the values that are today making Angular uh, effective, at least or especially in an enterprise scenario. But again, Blazor in itself is not even the key point. I would go farther than this and I would touch on WebAssembly. That's yes. the real new thing. And that's the primary and huge difference that marks uh, a neat difference between uh, what brought Silverlight to fail. The same idea 10 years ago implemented with the technology of 10 years ago failed. Today, because of WebAssembly new infrastructure, the same idea could be Successful. That, that's a very good point. So WebAssembly is definitely a central point that we should focus on. So uh, do you also feel, I mean, I do feel that, I, I just want to hear your opinion. Uh, Microsoft is pushing uh, Blazor, which is fine, but uh, I some, I, and, and I like to hear that they are uh, sticking by it and they are going to support it. Uh, but I also believe that uh, uh, the only way it succeeds is that if a larger community accepts it. So, so I mean, okay, uh, right now, uh, what I was doing, I would take C++ or, I, I, you know, I would do, I would use Rust and then compile through mscripten uh, and, and then use it in a web assembly uh, to, to draw on the, on the browser canvas, you know, stuff like that. But it wasn't a nice experience. It was really challenging. You know, now I feel as if the uh, broader community should come up with their own implementations that you can use uh, languages like uh, I don't know, like uh, like C plus plus or Python or Java or whatever 
to actually write the code, anything that you feel comfortable with, and you write the code, and then it compiles everything, pushes it to the WebAssembly, and then, and then it can natively run uh, in the browser, in the which browser, we yeah. expect that standards are going to follow and be in compliance with, with, with and they will improve. So I believe that we need that like a, a higher, uh, like broader community support in order uh, for, for all this to to succeed, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yes, WebAssembly is is the real point, much more than uh, Blazor as a you know framework for building web interfaces. Microsoft way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's the Microsoft. Let's call it the Microsoft Angular. Okay. Yes. Um, so, so that's Blazor. But the real point is what lies underneath Blazor, because Blazor works because the dot uh, 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 profile of the .NET framework uh, has been compiled in some way, using MScript and whatever it is, uh, to WebAssembly. So any Blazor application at the moment just uh, downloads this uh, uh, WebAssembly compiled version of this small .NET Core framework. And then the regular uh, assemblies uh, of your uh, C-sharp application are run on top of that within the browser. Um, Now... The, the, the funny thing, the, the good thing about Blazor is that it mixes together user interface and backend code. So you can have your application logic that runs on the client side. You need to run on the client side. You have that one written in C Sharp, including any just application logic. So interaction between a user interface elements and some little pieces of business logic you really want to run uh, on the client. And then you use the endpoints, uh, gRPC, or plain uh, REST-like uh, endpoints, uh, um, whatever you, you have them, to get uh, fresh data from, uh, from, from a server environment. Uh, and, you know, in Blazor you have uh, the, Ra- the ASP.NET friendly Razor uh, Super HTML that allows you to uh, define the UI using web uh, technologies and you have G- C Sharp as yeah. uh, the, the, the glue that connects together the dots of the user interface. Um, and I mean, for my little applications, toy applications done with Blazor so far, you never feel the need of having JavaScript around. Okay, there is the possibility for Blazor to interrupt with JavaScript, but you never feel the need, at least except it's really for, for, for these days, I mean, I guess that in a year things will, will change radically, uh, at, at least for, for those pieces of user interface for which you, for which you don't have a, um, a C-sharp or a Blazor-enabled component, uh, and then you, you, you find much easier to rely on jQuery plugins or, or any sort of for, for bootstrap-based select, select boxes or, or maybe Angular-style uh, uh, edit boxes and, and, and things like that. The key point is, is WebAssembly, in looking ahead. That, that's it. And, and as you said, the future that can be foreseen is a future in which you use uh, whatever language that has an environment, uh, as a built environment against the WebAssembly uh, that allows you to do whatever from user interface uh, to uh, backend code. And then all that you have is a, an executable 
that can be hosted and run within the browser. That's uh, yeah, it. I, so, so thank you. I, I definitely, I definitely bet on WebAssembly. I think, I think that it's. Uh, and by the way, like, you know that this, the, the first, the next big uh, deadline is in November 2020 when Microsoft announced they will release .NET 5, and I expect that with .NET 5 we will have the possibility of having .NET 5 C sharp code or native code to be also compilable to WebAssembly. Uh, this is an amazingly easy way of creating uh, SP applications. You know, of course, it's kind of, uh, uh, it's server side. You, you don't have that beauty of like uh, everything refreshes automatically, even though you, you can uh, you, you can hack it, you know, but uh, it kind of, uh, it produces uh, everything on the server side and then uh, it pushes you through signal R uh, to the client side. So you get the experience as it's, everything is going on uh, like like on a, uh, only on a client side. But uh, another note, which is uh, just, just the last note uh, uh, that uh, you, you mentioned uh, the super set of uh, 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 actually HTML or actually uh, the Razor pages. Um, I mean, it's really funny. Razor pages, it's like, okay, it's it looks super, you know, it's it's cool. But it's it's actually the very same idea that we had like 22 years ago when I, I remember, uh, as, as it was yesterday, uh, they started to mix like uh, uh, that HTML with, uh, with the code and VBScript. VB VB script. Okay. It was in a VBScript. I mean, they, they used it extensively. So nothing major has changed. They have just improved it over well over two decades. I mean, it, it's really funny. So, but anyways, uh, I would like to conclude this um, uh, podcast. Thank you very much for joining us for this uh, Authority Partners podcast on uh, building architect intelligence software. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, Bye -bye. thanks. Thank you for listening to the Authority Partners podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode.